Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Hello and welcome. I'm Patrick Curtis, your host and chief monkey, and this is the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Join me as I talk to some of the community's most successful and inspirational members to gain valuable insight into different career paths and life in general. Let's get to it. In this episode, Brian shares his path from undergrad in the U.S. to working straight for a new venture capital fund in Tokyo. Learn why he turned down his return offer in investment banking after his junior year summer at Jefferies, and what the biggest challenges were as a junior employee in a sink or swim role. Enjoy. Brian, thanks so much for joining the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Of course. Thanks for having me, Patrick. So it'd be awesome if you could just give the listeners a short summary of your bio. For sure. Um, so I started my career, I guess you could say, as, as a summer analyst uh, at an investment bank. Um, I guess that's where you know, a lot of people kind of start their careers in finance. So I worked at Jefferies uh, for a summer. Um, I spent most of my time there you know, cycling around with a couple different teams, but probably most of my time with the tech banking team. Um, I kind of had a, a pre-existing sort of interest in technology and uh, they, they were pretty busy that summer. So, so got looped in with, with the team there. Um, ended up actually taking a, a different path ultimately. Um, and, and maybe we can kind of touch on that later, but ended up getting an opportunity to join kind of an early venture team that was forming um, in Japan of all places. So I actually graduated, uh, I moved to Tokyo I worked for a VC there uh, for a couple years, um, transferred to another team in the same VC um, covering kind of Europe and Israel, um, and then ended up finding a startup uh, I, I totally fell in love with and, and joined uh, just two months ago. Um, so that's kind of my long arc from kind of finance to VC to tech. Great. So let's start all the way back in uh, undergrad. Were you always kind of focused on finance or kind of how did you fall into this internship? I assume it was a junior year internship. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I had, it because, I, had a, I mean, because you went where you went to school wasn't like a, it's not a super finance focus. Yeah, but, that's right. So I went to Johns Hopkins where, um, that's right. We didn't have like an undergraduate business program. Mm -hmm. um, what we did have was an interesting professor, um, who kind of sat kind of within, within the economics department um, who kind of, you know, found, found students with interest in, in finance and the markets uh, and took them on as research analysts. Mm -hmm. So we kind of had our own community of sort of, you know, finance interested people on campus. Uh, and, and I was part of that. Um, uh, but I had other interests. I was actually an East Asian studies major. Uh, so I studied Japanese, which obviously comes into play later in, in my story. Um, but I would say, you know, nothing really special. I kind of, you know, what interested cool. like, you about East Asian studies? 
Yeah, so I, um, I actually spent a summer living in Japan when I was in high school. Um, I did an exchange there and that kind of sparked interest. Um, I also was born in Hong Kong and, and my family were expats in that part of the world for, for a while. So kind of had, had it in, in the background in my life um, for a while and, and decided to study it a bit more seriously in college. Um, but I was sort of just generally interested in, in, in finance. I think the way most people become interested, um, and, uh, uh, sort of, you know, Hey, this might be a good, this might be a good career move. Um, at least not be dependent on the parents. Yeah. (laughs) Once you graduate kind of thing. Okay. So you're, you do this internship, you're, it sounds like they were pretty busy that summer. Was it just, uh, something where they gave you a full-time offer and you didn't take it or like it was just brutal and you knew it wasn't for you? Uh, no, so yeah, they, they gave me a full-time offer, which I was super excited to receive, uh, was to join their tech banking team and I love the people there. Um, mm-hmm. I, I still think, uh, it's an awesome place. Um, a couple of things happened. So, uh, kind of right after receiving the full-time offer, you know, I head back to school. I'm like on top of the world, um, set, you know, basically until I graduate. And, uh, I got the news that I was able to graduate a semester early. So that, that was one piece. And then I also sort of uh, kind of rekindled a, a relationship I had um, with, with somebody in Japan who, who I'd actually kind of informally interned with um, the previous summer. So the summer before I worked at Jeffries. Got it. And uh, he kind of floated this idea of, of having me join a venture team that he was forming. Um, so he was uh, sort of investing um, off the balance sheet of Fidelity and and kind of in the process of starting a fund. Um, and uh, anyway, so he floated this idea. I thought, I'm going to graduate early. Uh, we kind of said, maybe there's something there. Um, and kind of, kind of based on that, I, I turned down the, the job offer at Jefferies, which kind of seemed crazy in the moment. Um, but in retrospect, I think was the right decision for me. Um, and I, I moved to Tokyo uh, and worked for, for a couple months as a waiter in a restaurant. <laughs> Uh, had you had you ever? I mean, you said you had spent a year there, right, as a high school student. I spent a couple of months there in high school, and then I spent uh, about a semester uh, there in college. Okay, so tell me about it. Was it was something? It wasn't super new to you, but was it still some after after a few months? Would it feel like culture shock a little bit, or was it um, something where you felt at home? Uh, yeah, I would say there's there is definitely still still lots of culture shock, and and part of the agreement was I was gonna spend my semester that I had graduated early in in Japan, improving my Japanese language ability, um, so that you know kind of when the fund was in place and when um, this guy was ready to hire me, um, that that would, that I was good to go. So I kind of moved there with nothing, didn't know anyone. Um, took language classes during the day, worked as a waiter, as I said, at night, uh, and then eventually I got the call saying, you know, you're hired, and uh, that, that's where I started uh, my career. And so tell me a little bit about that, just uh, that relationship, the, the ability to kind of take that leap of faith that this was the right move for you, because I think a lot of people maybe have something exciting, but they have the sure thing, and maybe, maybe it's not, maybe finance isn't right for them. And they know that deep down, but they think, well, this is the path I have to follow because everyone's going to call me crazy if I don't. Yeah. I mean, there were, there were definitely, um, all those feelings. (laughs) Um, and they were, they were much stronger in the moment. I mean, I think I'm sort of, when I look back, I think I, I tend to kind of minimize them a little bit, but, but I, I was definitely feeling all those anxieties, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when you're waiting, waiting tables in Tokyo, you're probably that doubles. Yeah. doubles <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, definitely, definitely. Um, was, was kind of, you know, not, not where I imagined I would, I would be in that moment in time. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it was a decision that I kind of relied on, you know, my closest mentors um, for guidance and kind of just took a step back and, and kind of looked at things more holistically. I kind of, you know, thought about like some of my peers when I was working in the investment bank. And, you know, I think it was pretty easy for me to recognize that some of my interests were, were a bit different. Um, I, I really, you know, liked the tech banking group. And I think that was more because I was super interested in technology and how technology solves problems. Mm-hmm. More than you know, the details of specific transactions we were we were trying to underwrite, mm-hmm. um, and I think that might be true of kind of most people. But um, yeah, I think I think you know that combined with you know getting to you know also experience uh, living in a foreign country right out of school and and kind of you know using my language ability and, and what I'd studied in university um, right away made, put it to it. the test. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I moved down when I moved down to Buenos Aires after I got my MBA from Wharton. It was um, uh, I thought I I thought I spoke yeah. <laughs> really well, and I got down there, and I had you know my mother's Colombian, my uh, I had a girlfriend that was Mexican. I had like so like my Spanish was the most, and my my grandmother's from Catalonia, Spain, so like Bar- Barcelona, Spain, so like Spain Spanish, and that's kind of what they teach okay. in high school. So yeah. my, I had the most messed up. And now, you know, sound kind of like a gringo too. So it was like the most messed up split of Spanish. Everyone was like, wait, are you from Buenos Aires? Cause I'd be like, oh, it's sauce. Cause I'd kind of integrate some of that. And yeah, you know, yeah. it was a mess, but yeah, it can yeah. be tough. It can be tough when you're moving and you don't know anybody and it's, it's, it can be lonely. It can be, I mean, I had, there's a good expat community there too. Then I had some good friends. So that was lucky. But did you feel that like you were able to quickly make friends outside of work at all? Or like, what was that like? Or did yeah. you kind of just stay in a really small kind of? Well, yeah, it was interesting. I had kind of one one really close friend uh, who was local, and he kind of you know was a great kind of bridge you know for me to to meet you know Japanese people, and um, I definitely found a community there, um, which was awesome. And as my kind of language abilities got better, that opened up more and more. Um, and then there is a kind of small you know expat community in Tokyo. It's it's not like a Hong Kong or a, a London. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's sort of an, an interesting uh, expat sort of scene in Tokyo and, and had friends from, from all over the world. So Why do you call it interesting? <laughs> just because well, people there are just interesting? Well, I think, I think, you know, if you look at a city like Hong Kong or, or London, for example, you know, people can kind of end up there just because, you know, they got transferred there and, and right. whatever. I think people who end up in Tokyo are there for a reason. Um, Either, you know, they're, you know, someone of Japanese heritage, kind of like discovering their roots. Um, either they, you know, were super into manga, comic books, or, or whatever. But there's, there's kind of something, a deeper interest, I think, usually tied to, to, to people living in Tokyo. Um, which kind of brings the community together. Yeah. Very cool. So, okay. So going back, I don't want to jump right away into your time there. So just going back to the internship real quick. So you got the full-time offer. You're on the top of, top of the world. Um, can you talk a little bit about that internship, um, before we kind of move on and a little bit about specifically why you thought you got the offer? Was it because they were hiring everybody because they were desperate for bodies or do you feel like honestly you did something better than some of the other interns? Cause I know there's a lot of people, mm. um, heading into their internships, even though a lot of it's work from home or a little yeah. this year, but, um, 
Yeah, um, it, it was it was quite a few years ago. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I do remember, you know, having, you know, some experiences where I felt like I definitely, you know, was sort of excelling and, um, you know, kind of showing my worth and, and, and having my moments and then others where I was, you know, totally, um, you know, I felt like totally at a disadvantage compared to, you know, other interns in terms of some of their technical knowledge. And, mm -hmm. you know, there was, it was sort of a, a roller coaster. I remember of doubt and, uh, and, did they, and some did they give you, well. did they give you positive feedback like halfway through? What was it like? Like, uh, did you feel like you knew you had it in the bag at some point? Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think I think once I kind of really started spending uh, more time with with one team, um, the, the tech team in, in particular, mm -hmm. uh, you know, there was kind of a lot of long nights where I was like, you know, building building. I think you know important good relationships with with people on that team, um, which I think in the long run is is like what really matters. Um, you right. need I guess, someone who's gonna speak up for you and you know it's it's i guess it was you know 10 weeks or something like that which is a good amount of time but when you're kind of jumping around between different teams and, and all over the place it's you know it's it's easy to kind of you know go the whole summer i think have people kind of you know not not have much to say about the time together um so i think spending spending a lot of time with with one team was was one thing and, and jeffrey's might have been unique in, in in that regard that it was like explicitly a generalist Program. Was it hard? Was it hard to land that internship in the first place? Uh, yeah, I, I remember. Um, like you know, I, I mean, five hundred emails out, and getting, like, like, how did you actually even land it? So there was a alumni, um, alumnus from my university who was currently working there, um, and he came to campus to recruit. He was in my fraternity. Uh, so that was kind of an, an easy connection, but I actually interviewed while in Japan because I was studying abroad there. So that kind of put me at a disadvantage. I couldn't, you know, show up to all the super days and, and do the whole thing. So I kind of focused my efforts on, on, on one or two places. Um, cause that's kind of all I could do while I was remote. And, and I was fortunate enough that, that Jeffrey's, uh, we're open to, to doing the super day virtually. So I remember I woke up at like three in the morning um, and uh, ran through these super days, like in a, like, you know, totally like hallucinogenic state. Um, was it like a Skype conference call like the, or Zoom like the back in the day? This like, Yeah, it was a like, Skype. Um, yeah. And, you know, they just came in back to back and, and did their thing. Um, you know, you were I think- just on a computer like this? <laughs> You're yeah. Just um, you know, just on the computer and in a way, I think, you know, it might've even just set me apart cause I was, you know, the one dude in Tokyo at three in the morning joining, joining via, via Skype. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, it, I think the, I don't think the repertoire has changed much, the DCF and the, you know, valuation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, so and you, I, you knew that stuff you were ready. Yeah, so I, I I owe a lot to to kind of the the sort of champion I had there, this alumni who you know would call me up um, in Tokyo and ask me to run through a DCF and all this stuff, and I would kind of go and I'd fumble my words, and he would just hang up the phone, <laughs> and you know my heart would like sink, and I'd be like, oh my god, like he thinks I'm an idiot, I'm wasting his time, uh, and then he'd call me back up and be like, you know, I'm calling you again tomorrow, you know, don't Study. fuck it up. I'm not should say that here, but yeah. Uh, so so I had someone pushing me, and uh, yeah, I, you know, I, that's I awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Good yeah. mentor pushing you. That's what I try to do with my mentees. I have four, uh, three mentees now. Um, 
and I'm always trying to get, I bust them a little bit. I'm like, mm, we can tighten up that answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's hard. Important. It's hard because they're doing this actually on like a similar Zoom conference. It's, it's like, it's actually broadcast. So it's kind of stressful for them too. So yeah. Like, yeah. And you're nervous. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway. So, okay. So you, it worked out. You ended up getting the offer and you ended up doing obviously really well. You get, you, you're going through this, you're flying high senior year. And then like that, that moment, that decision where you're like, wait a second, I'm not going to take this. What was that like? And how did you even break it to that? I remember, um, I was with my dad and, uh, I was kind of freaking out about the wrong things. I was sort of like, they already, you know, they already sent me a signing bonus and I already signed a contract. Um, like, you know, what, if, what happens if I blow this thing up and like, what are the implications? And, you know, people who were more experienced, you know, than I was at the time, in in this case, you know, my father was just like, look, you know, Jeffries will, (laughs) will live. Um, (laughs) They, they will continue to, to function uh, as a very, you know, successful investment bank. And I don't think, I don't think they're going to sweat it too much. Um, You need to just, you know, make the decision that's, that's right for you. Um, And so, yeah, I remember it was, you know, a lot of thinking, a lot of, you know, kind of crowdsourcing of, of ideas. And I just con- consistently kept hearing, you know, from people, I'd say, you know, I have an offer to work at this amazing investment bank, blah, 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 great people. Or, you know, kind of moving to Tokyo, joining a newly forming venture team, uh, and sort of, you know, <laughs> who knows. Um, but But I think people could just tell that I was really excited uh, about the latter, just the way I spoke about it. Um, and uh, luckily I had kind of the right mentors and the right people to tell me that, that, that it was okay. Kind of it's okay to take that folks. more risky path. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So tell it, me, tell me yeah. about like that. What, what gave you that? I mean, you were obviously excited. You were really into tech. You really, it probably, it was a more natural, sp- fat, natural fit for you, but it wasn't like you were going to some sort of established VC fund where you mm-hmm. had some of that safety of that, you know, process and whatnot. So what gave you that confidence? It's just like, I don't care. Like I, I believe in the, the person who's going to launch this. It was exactly that. So in, in this case, it was the individual um, who, who kind of took a massive leap of faith by offering me the job and, and, and hiring me. Um, he's, he's still a very close mentor today. Um, Why do you think he had that confidence for, to hire an undergrad? Because so I, I know there are a lot of kids, a lot of kids listening, and be like, "I want to go straight to VC." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, to be honest, I, I have no idea, um, but I'm I'm really I'm really kind of happy that that he did. I think I think we we. But how did you develop that relationship? I guess just it, was it was it uh, oh, yeah. cold? Was it through mutual friends? How did it? So the kind of full backstory. Um, when I was studying Japanese in college, I knew that I was, you know, wanting to study at a Japanese university for a semester. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and their semesters are a bit different. So it was kind of going to eat up a little bit of my summer. Plus, like, they basically bring me right up to spring semester. Um, okay. uh, so I figured I might as well kind of move there in the summer, find something interesting to do before the semester. Um, and so I, I kind of started reaching out to, to contacts and, um, ended up getting in touch with uh, someone who worked at Disney um, in Japan. And I was, you know, super excited. I wanted to, you know, basically intern there in their kind of business development group. And uh, I kind of built a relationship there, kind of 
got, got along in their process somewhat. It was going to kind of be an informal thing. And then at the last minute, um, they just couldn't sponsor a visa for whatever reason. It was too complicated. Oh. So they kind of pulled it out um, from under me at the last minute. I was really, really bummed about that. But the contact I had there, um, who was also an expat, who I think kind of sympathized with kind of a you know young foreign dude looking to looking to work in Japan, which is not an easy thing to do. Um, he he kind of opened his contact book to me, and the first contact uh, he he put was um, the guy who would end up being you know my future my future boss, um, and I uh, just kind of reached out with a cold email. You know, I think it was a mix of good timing and, and you know, we just hopped on a Skype call. I remember I took it from the, the library of, uh, at Johns Hopkins. Totally kind of unprepared. It was very kind of informal. Um, and it probably lasted like 15 minutes. And he was just like, yeah, okay, you know, come over. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we, we barely have an office. It was, it was like two people or two or three people. Um, and he said, you know, we'll find work for you to do. Um, so I think did that include pay or did you feel like this is going to be unpaid or did he say anything about it, that? Or like, were you nervous about like, what is he going to pay? It, it included pay. I think only because it was legally required. <laughs> um, I, I was paid, uh, hourly. Yeah. Uh, not very much. Um, uh, but I was paid. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was an amazing experience that was supposed to last a summer ended up actually, I was sort of like moonlighting my whole semester study abroad. I, I was there in that office for like seven months, wow. um, helping out with stuff and, uh, building a relationship there. So, so that's I think, that's why, <laughs> yeah. So I, I guess I left, left that kind of piece out, but yeah, it was a huge part of it was the relationship. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've learned this, you know, as I've continued in my career, but, you know, it was, a, it was especially, I think, important early on as, you know, having a mentor who's really invested in you um, is like, you know, the most, the most valuable thing you can have at probably any point in your career, but especially early on. Um, and I really felt that connection um, uh, with, with this guy and uh, felt like the right thing to do. Awesome. So you're... Yeah, that's, that's kind of giving you the confidence to, to say no to Jeffries to go take this, you know, new startup fund. You get there, you're waiting tables because you're there a little early <laughs> and you're thinking to yourself, okay, what's going on here? What am I going to do? He's like, okay, you're hired. You yeah. start. What's that first kind of week like? The first. Yeah. Oh man. Um, so, so basically the firm, um, it, uh, it was a, a new sort of branch of a very well-established global VC firm um, it used to be called something else. Now it's basically all branded as eight roads and um, have been investing in China for decades, India for decades, Europe and the U S um, for decades. Japan was sort of a new geography. Mm -hmm. So there were probably three or four, three, four or five sort of FTEs uh, when I joined the team and all very new joiners um, and uh, all external and internal communication was, was done in Japanese, um, which was kind of a shock. Um, and, uh, you know, all my colleagues were, you know, experienced uh, investment professionals or, you know, people coming from tech companies or, you know, consulting firms, um, you know, real, real, real kind of top category <laughs> professionals um and i was you know a new grad so that this skill gap, 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 gap. 
Sorry. Were, were they native from Japan or were they? Uh, were yeah, they all, all native uh, from Japan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> everyone, everyone in the office were, were native speakers uh, except for me. Uh, but but that that was that that was okay. Um, you know, there's nothing you can do about that. That's kind of learn as you go, and and uh, Japanese is a particularly difficult language. So you know, you just gotta keep absorbing it, and you know, that's. That's kind of a long game, so no one expected me to be fluent overnight. But um, in terms of just kind of professional skills and and then you know actual investment skills, um, you know that's 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 something I had to develop totally you know from scratch. And and you know it's it's like in in one sense you know you, you mentioned some of your listeners you know might be saying oh how do I jump straight into VC? Um, in some sense it's amazing and it's awesome when it does work out, but it's it's definitely you know, in, a, in a firm like like the one uh, I joined, it's, it wasn't an easy thing to do. Um, it was pretty painful. <laughs> you basically had to swim on your own. They threw you. Yeah, in. yeah. So, so, so my manager definitely. Um, no training, no training, no nothing. <laughs> yeah, I had. You know, I probably could have benefited from you know some of the investment banking training and you know all, all that stuff. Um, but um, yeah, it was a totally sink or swim kind of, um, experience, um, you know, eventually just, just really required me to say like, you know, like no one is going to save you here. Um, you know, you've got to, you know, sit here on the weekend, learn how to build a financial model. Uh, you know, was that the hardest part, the technical, just the technical like Excel skills and the hard skills of, of being an investor and be able to just look at something and evaluate it from the VC perspective, or was it more just the language barrier? Or both. It was just all coming at you from all different. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think the language barrier just like added a, a sort of a little, you know, hot sauce to everything. <laughs> um, it was kind of an omnipresent sort of challenge, um, but sort of the you know the more like fundamental skills. I think were all um, you know pretty pretty difficult to just kind of pick up on the go and, and require a lot of you know, just, just hard work to do. I mean, at least for me. Um, Did you get the perspective that you were welcome there being the only kind of expat, uh, being kind of the most junior person that kind of was clueless? <laughs> uh, sometimes, yeah. sometimes yes. Uh, sometimes, like were people frustrated with you? Like, why is this yeah, guy even Absolutely, here? yeah. <laughs> absolutely. I think there was um, definitely some of that along the way. Um, that being said, I think, um, we were a small enough team that, um, you know, people wanted to, to see me succeed. I think my success was ultimately in, in everyone's interest. Um, and I had, you know, not, not only my, you know, the managing partner who was, you know, the kind of believing in me from the beginning, but, but everyone at the firm, I think really, um, you know, kind of went out of their way to, to mentor me, you know, in ways I'm like still, still incredibly grateful for and are still, still paying dividends. Um, for sure. Um, but it, it definitely took time. Um, there was definitely awkwardness of, you know, just where my skills were and, and where, you know, some other people's were, but. Were people know, actually like sitting you down and like, being like, here's how you build it through. Did somebody actually sit down with you and walk through that with you? Or were they like, here, read this. And they just threw stuff at you. <laughs> a little, a little bit of both. Um, <laughs> I'm just yeah. trying to get a sense of like what your house stressed out you were and how freaked out you were. <laughs> I was at times very, very stressed. Very freaked out, um, but but I was I was definitely supported. Um, and so, most of your day to day was it like here are these you know potential companies? Did they want you to do any business development? Did they want you to do any sort of? Like, what was 
what was the pipeline look? What did it look like? And like, was that yeah. your main responsibility as the junior? So maybe, yeah, maybe interesting to just add a little context um, yeah. on that. So, so we were, um, we were sort of, I guess you could say like a series, series A, B uh, investor mm -hmm. uh, in Japan. Um, but this was, you know, at a time when the whole Japan venture market was very, very nascent. It's, it still is um, fairly nascent compared to, to, to some other markets. Um, it's matured vastly since um, those those early years. Mm -hmm. We're talking 2015, 16. Yeah. Um, um, but we were sort of, you know, in exploratory mode in a lot of ways. And the diversity of our team kind of reflected that. Um, I mean, we, we were investing in, in kind of opportunities where we saw them. It wasn't like you had sort of this vast ocean of, you know, Series B companies to you know, find exactly what metrics you like. And, and all these right. things. We, we needed to be a bit more thesis led than that. Um, and uh, so, so we kind of had a, a really interesting mix of, of people on the team from different backgrounds and um, sort of invested in things we, we found interesting. We, we did everything from uh, an electric wheelchair company to a gaming company to an aerospace company, mm. um, you know, SaaS companies, healthcare services companies. We, we, we really kind of, did everything, which was super cool and, 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 you know, great experience to learn a lot about, you know, a lot of different businesses. I think some VCs are very specialized by stage or by sector. We, we really kind of were, you know, kind of looking at a bit of everything, um, which, which kind of helps you kind of see the full, see the full landscape and, um, and get a lot of exposure. So, um, yeah, in that context, um, were you guys given a specific, sorry to interrupt, but were you given a specific amount to invest out of a certain? Yeah, yeah. So at that point we had a fund, I think it was like a $250 million okay. fund, yep. um, which at the time was, was one of the biggest funds. Which is a lot. Yeah. Back then. And then yeah, yeah. you have to invest it in Japan, I see. Right. Um, it's a and, goal. Uh, we, we were, we were really successful with that fund. Um, and, and ended up raising a second, um, in, in my time there, a uh, larger fund. Um, but, but my responsibilities, um, you know, just the way we, how we were set up and, and as a junior, I was sort of spending most of my time on the execution side of things. Um, so we would, you know, have sort of, uh, most of the sourcing done on, on the, the senior side of the team, uh, bringing in interesting opportunities and, you know, very flat organizations. So, you know, I could say I didn't like something. I just had to be articulate as to why. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, we're all just sort of working together to, you know, evaluate the businesses, um, you know, do financial modeling around them to, to understand uh, different aspects, understanding the market. How better. long did it take you for to get you to get comfortable saying you don't like something to the, the partner <laughs> and, and, uh, was it mostly thesis driven in terms of when you said you didn't like something or was it more like after you ran the numbers, you would speak up? Yeah. Well, I think, um, you know, it's, it's funny. I think it kind of ties back to like my experience. Um, you know, as you said, like I was coming in, um, you know, without many, you know, it was hard for me to speak up in the sense that I, you know, didn't have, you know, much, much experience behind me. Um, but you had been, you had worked there for seven months almost prior, right? Uh, yes, that's right. As an intern. Um, so, so, I mean, I guess, um, you know, I had to kind of rely on, you know, what, what are the areas I do know? Um, you know, what are sort of the things that do set me apart and where, you know, my voice, um, you know, has, has, you know, a bit more reason behind it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I found, you know, 
I'm sort of, I was sort of the only millennial, you know, kind of true millennial age person on the team from the States um, who, you know, a lot of tech trends are kind of coming to the U.S. first and then, you know, they, they might show up in Japan later. So I kind of had a different perspective, um, which, you know, is, is valued. So, you know, I would say, you know, you know, I think this is interesting because I saw, you know, a really successful company doing something like this in, in, in the U.S. or, you know, the opposite. I saw companies trying to do this in the U.S. and, and here's why the model failed. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, those are kind of, you know, the, the ways at first I would kind of choose to kind of speak up and then kind of later as I kind of built the skill set around, you know, financial analysis and, and, and so on. Um, you can you get know. a little more nuanced. Yeah, yeah exactly. Very cool. So you're there for a little over two years um, in Tokyo. Tell me why or what prompted the move to, it was London, right? You moved to London. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me yeah. what prompted that move um, and what was the kind of internal process for, for making that move? Yeah, so uh, we were sort of expanding as a firm um, uh, globally. And, and one of the new geographies we, we had in our crosshairs was Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, we had made a couple of early investments, um, uh, not in, in terms of their stage, but our first investments uh, in Israel um, about a year, a year or two prior. And they'd both gone sort of exceptionally well, um, opened a lot of doors for us. Um, and we decided to kind of formalize our efforts there um, and, and kind of see what we could build out. Um, Israel is a notoriously difficult venture market. It's extremely local. Um, you know, it's, it's small. It's highly networked. Um, it's, it's not, not easy to break into. And some of the best firms in the world, you know, have sort of come and gone set up shop and left because, because they, they haven't been able to, to break in there. So, so we were kind of, you know, You're basically kind of, getting in on the right deals. That's what it's about. Right. And knowing. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, um, I kind of, you know, saw the opportunity. I was interested in just getting more experience. I had such a rewarding experience, um, immersing myself in a new business culture and a new culture, um, in, in Japan and thought it'd be interesting to just kind of, do it again um, and, and just keep learning um, and, and keep gaining exposure. So I sort of raised my hand as sort of being super interested in that and uh, was lucky to, to be able to, to make that, that move. I think I was the first person uh, in the firm to ever kind of jump geographies like that. Um, and I think it just has to do with, you know, the local nature of BC. It's just very much about the ecosystem you're in and, and, and the network. Um, but being, being kind of junior, it kind of, I think, lets, lets you do that. Um, and then kind you of- hadn't completely like grounded yourself. Your roots weren't there necessarily. You still had enough time to- Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. And, um, you know, I think once you want to like really kind of build your career as a VC- uh, kind of rise up the ranks. Uh, you you want to sort of you know pick 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 a spot somewhat, or or pick you know pick kind of where you're really gonna you know build out those roots. Um, but I felt like I I was still kind of you know in in, in a phase where where I could where I could jump around. So I ended up um, moving to our London office, um, which was a sort of Europe and Israel focused fund. We were a, a bit bigger uh, in fund. We were a $375 million fund there. And, and the strategy was a bit more focused on growth. Um, so kind of series B plus. Um, and we were investing across Europe and Israel. And, and again, the team 
was was incredibly diverse. I think we spoke like 12 languages um, amongst us. You know, we had people covering the Nordics and you know Germany and um, you know France and Spain and you know all, all the localities in Europe and you know all in, in local languages. Um, I'm not a Hebrew speaker, <laughs> but um, you know people people in Israel speak speak English. Um, so we ended up hiring um, someone on the ground uh, in Israel. Uh, we just felt that that was essential to have a presence there. Um, and then I joined. Uh, we have you know a couple other Israeli colleagues on the team, uh, and we really kind of built out a formal effort in Israel. We invested in a, a number of you know really exciting companies. Uh, one of them being the company I ended up um, joining. joining. And uh, again, it was it was just an amazing experience. I gained you know totally different skill sets there. Um, just you know, even if you move just a, kind of slightly in terms of stage of investing, you know, it can it can kind of involve totally different skill sets. Can you tell me um, about how that shifted going from you know a little earlier stage Series A to B? Yeah, for sure. So um, in Europe, um, we were sort of a much much more kind of typical like kind of you know, growth investor setup, um, early growth investor, uh, um, meaning that, you know, most of the junior team is, is kind of heavily involved in sourcing. That's kind of our primary responsibility is to reach out to kind of as many companies as possible, track as many companies as possible, and basically, you know, have them, you know, sort of warmed up and, and ready when they're kind of in, in your sweet spot and, and kind of be there to, 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 to have conversations at the right time. Um, about investment. Um, so that's kind of a, a huge part of the responsibility. And, you know, th that can be uh, pretty grueling, <laughs> um, you know, in terms of, you know, sort of, you know, they call it smiling, smiling and dialing. Um, you're, you're really doing a lot of that. But it can also be a lot of fun because, you know, it means going to conferences and, you know, in the context of this fund, you know, traveling all over Europe um, and, and meeting entrepreneurs, um, which, which actually is, is not so bad. And um, did a lot of that. And then, you know, we were much kind of more rigorous around, you know, finding financial profiles that, that kind of really fit with our um, sort of investment strategy. So we were looking for, you know, kind of unit economics that we liked, a growth, certain growth profile that we liked. Um, and then obviously, you know, management teams that, that we were confident in and, and kind of, you know, overall stories that were compelling. Um, but, but kind of that, the rigor of analysis was, was, um, you know, I think much higher as you move kind of up the investment curve. Um, and, uh, there was, there was that component. Um, do, you, do you feel like, um, I know there's some of that here, here in Silicon Valley, there's a little bit of the, if there's one really strong anchor investor, everyone just is trying to get into the same deal. Cause it's assumed there's almost like a, there's a little bit of the group think going on. Did you feel like that was the case there where there's like a hot company and everyone's trying to get in? Or do you feel like there's enough inefficiencies where, where the diligence you're putting in and that, that like rigor on the financial side actually was creating any value for you guys? Yeah. Um, no, I mean, it's definitely, it was definitely like that. You know, everyone feels the FOMO. Yeah. And um, you know, everyone kind of, knows knows the, the the hot deals and um that you know that that being said i think um you know compared the, rela to the relationships are still really important right having built those up prior yeah of, of course um relationships important and uh i think you know europe was an interesting market in that you know we really were seeing you know 
unicorns, you know, I mean, not necessarily even unicorns, but, you know, extremely successful investments being made all over Europe. Um, you know, they could kind of come from it from anywhere. Um, I mean, we've, we saw billion dollar companies, you know, coming out of, you know, Poland and, you know, multiple coming out of you know, places like France and Germany, but, um, you know, kind of, it was, it was really um, an interesting, interesting landscape and a company doesn't have to be, you know, a billion dollar company to be a, a really successful investment. Um, so there definitely were, you know, I think interesting arbitrage kind of opportunities and we were constantly on the hunt for those across Europe. Um, I think it made it a really interesting place to, to, to be an investor. Um, you know, it's, it's still a very saturated, very competitive market. Um, but, but I think, I think maybe in a different, in a different way than the U S. Um, uh, in what sense, why do you say that? Well, I think we still have sort of the, the, you know, the, the concept of, you know, brand name funds, you know, coming in and, you know, in some cases still paying, you know, really high valuations, but, but sort of, you know, coming in and taking all the, you know, really hot deals. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that being said, I think, you know, because there's an element of, you know, um, local presence and um, European track record and kind of, kind of some other components where, you know, as a firm, you know, with, with, with a discrete strategy, with, you know, a, a focus, you, you can still kind of, you know, build an exciting investment strategy um, for yourself without sort of just falling into, okay, you know, um, you know, FOMO or, you know, you know, for sure. Chasing the same <laughs> deals or, yeah, I think you get what I mean. So you were, you're in VC for almost four years or over four years. Uh, uh, exactly four years. Yeah. Four years. So why leave? What kind of, uh, you know, why not do the full lifer BC for life? Yeah. Um, it can be really rewarding both financially, intellectually, or did you feel like you just wanted a new challenge? What was the, what was the thought process? I think it's, it helped. It's helpful for the listeners to hear, Yeah. you know, from the other side of like, what, what were you looking for? Yeah, I, that's, that's, I think, the essential question. Um, I, I really enjoyed being an investor. Um, I'm like still getting used to saying that in the past tense. Um, and um, it is, as you said, like it's, in, it's probably one of the most intellectually stimulating kind of finance jobs uh, I think that you can have. I mean, we're, we're kind of, you know, trying to become experts in everything. Like we know a little bit about everything and a lot about nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're, you know, constantly on the phone with, you know, entrepreneurs who are trying to, you know, fundamentally just disrupt industries. Um, so you're sort of, you know, drinking from, you know, a tap, which is just like the vanguard of industry, you know, globally, mm-hmm. um, and speaking to really smart people. Um, so that aspect of it, I absolutely loved and, and still cherish, uh, that experience. Having said, it's it's it is super competitive. Uh, it's grind. Uh, the smartest people are not always the best investors, um, and uh, you know, in kind of the arc of your career, I think you know, I was I was also a bit you know unusual that I started from VC, mm-hmm. um, and it's I think it's really something I I very well may go back to uh, at some point in my career. Um, mm-hmm. But I sort of looked at, looked at a lot of my colleagues and, and saw people who came, you know, from entrepreneurial experiences or tech backgrounds or kind of 
other uh, other experiences i mean that's that's the kind of interesting thing about vc is sort of the problem set that we're dealing with is kind of so fundamental um that that sort of anyone with a really kind of business background no matter where that comes from kind of has the toolkit to, to do what a vc does mm -hmm. um there's sort of a separate kind of vc toolkit that you sort of build over time um but but it's really kind of a mix of, of different backgrounds um and so I kind of looked at, you know, some of my peers that had sort of more diverse experience. I think it makes you a better investor, uh, more rounded kind of thinker, um, and just figured now was a good time. Um, also had a lot to do with this particular company, which, which I can tell you about as well. But uh, you weren't thinking I want to go to investment banking. <laughs> yeah, that at, at this point. You weren't thinking, or you weren't thinking private equity, potentially I want to move to more mature companies, less, you know, not the growth because it's, Oftentimes people say that's less exciting. It's more financial. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I think I was actually kind of split. I think um, like part of me was pulling me much toward much, you know, closer to sort of operating company side where I ended up and kind mm -hmm. of um, dealing with these kind of challenges in a more hands-on way. Um, but actually, uh, you know, having spent four years as an investor, you sort of, you know, learn kind of, you know, the, the, the financial kind of language and, and you, you start to kind of understand really like what makes, you know, a really interesting, you know, financial, you know, enterprise. Um, and it's, you know, that's sort of a science, it's sort of an art. Um, and, you know, VCs love to blog about it and, and, you know, talk about, you know, their new, you know, method of, you know, understanding unit economics and this and that, but it, it, it just, it really is just a, a really fascinating multi-dimensional kind of problem um, to work in BC. And, um, you know, I, I, I easily, I easily could see myself kind of, kind of going back to that world. For sure. So tell me why, why make the jump or why make the jump when you did and uh, the move back to the U S yeah. So yeah, it's funny you mentioned those things um, happening together. That was intentional. Um, it was or it was not. It, it was. Um, so I did. I did want to move back to the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, uh, for me, it was just about kind of putting putting down roots here. As it's home. Uh, I've got a girlfriend uh, who's who's in medical school here now. Mm -hmm. Made made sense for for a lot of reasons. Um, and. Uh, in terms of this company, uh, it was it is an Israeli company uh, that has a presence in New York, an office in New York, um, and I was just you know totally um, totally pumped about the company, and it sort of just the, the, the stars aligned. Um, but yeah, I um, I met the founders like any other company. Um, did the first call, got the presentation, you know heard a bit about the story and what they do. Um, Israelis are, you know, probably the most like, um, excitable entrepreneurs you can, you can speak to, um, and the most like assertive about how they're going to build billion dollar companies. Yeah. Um, uh, so, I mean, it was, it was an incredibly energetic pitch. I was sort of, you know, to totally hooked and, 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 you know, there's, I probably saw like 500, 500, plus pitches in, in, in four years, maybe, maybe probably more than that. Mm -hmm. um, there really are like, there, you really kind of do know a good, a good pitch when you, when you see one and, and a good story when, when you hear one. Mm -hmm. um, I loved it and, and we sort of started digging in more. I you know, started flying back and forth to Israel, spending more time with the team, 
running the process. I ended up following the team, you know, to a conference in Las Vegas, um, spending time with them there and, and just getting to know them a bit better. Um, and I just really believed in the company. I thought the opportunity in front of them was, was enormous. I really liked the people. Um, and uh, I, I was in New York uh, for, for business and, and I hit up the CEO to, to get drinks to celebrate after we closed the round. Mm-hmm. And we started having a more kind of candid conversation. Um, and, you know, we sort of floated the idea of, you know, me joining. Anyway, fast forward three, four months. Uh, and I, I was joining full time right at the beginning of this coronavirus situation. Tell me a little bit about that. How has that been starting? Have you been able to kind of really get going or? Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, I can share super briefly a bit about what the company does. Because yeah, that'd be great. Related. Um, the company's called Gloat. And um, basically, we're building internal talent marketplaces in some of the largest employers in the world. Um, so what that basically means is, you know, it's a two-sided marketplace. On one side, you have employees, their skills and their capacity, um, their career aspirations. Um, and on the other side of the marketplace, you have HR and managers uh, who you know, have work to be done. Um, and, and that work, you know, we find, you know, in sort of the traditional organization, you know, you have roles and, you know, hierarchies and job architectures, and that's kind of how the rules are written, um, at least on paper. But we know in reality, you know, that's not how the modern enterprise functions. People are working in small projects, people are acquiring skills as they go, people are finding new mentors, so on and so forth. So we're, we sort of are building the new operating system for, for how a large enterprise utilizes its, its talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, you know, managers and HR are posting project-based work, it could be full-time roles, job shadowing opportunities, volunteer opportunities, mentorship opportunities uh, to a marketplace. Um, and employees are basically able to get matched to those opportunities and work in a more agile way. Um, we have like an AI that's basically matching the two together, um, and we're powering uh, this, this type of talent marketplace globally at some of the largest employers in the world. Uh, Unilever is a customer of ours. Schneider Electric is another customer of ours. And what's so cool to me about the company is, you know, it's what, what we've built is a piece of software, um, like any tech company. Uh, but when we sort of put our piece of software into you know, an, an enormous company, Unilever's over 100,000 employees, you know, we sort of completely transform the way that the organization works. Um, and you know, we're hoping to do a, a lot more of that. Um, so it's kind of really, really big vision um, and a really, really big impact. Amazing team. Uh, so that's, that's what I'm involved with now. That's very cool. At what level do you feel like a company has to be before they're really able to drive value? Or if you guys are, is it based on like a per employee count? Is that how you guys are pricing it kind of thing? Or it's, you know, under a thousand employees, it's one bucket or under 500, one bucket kind of thing. Is that? Yeah. So we're, I mean, we're, we're really focused on like large enterprise fortune 500. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's where the problems we're solving become most relevant. Um, and the reason I, I wanted to mention this in, in light of, of, of coronavirus is, you know, a huge kind of challenge facing companies now is, you know, obviously the uncertainty. Um, a lot of them are implementing hiring freezes. Um, and a lot of businesses are facing huge disruption where you have, you know, one part of the business 
you know, in these large companies, which could, you know, employ thousands of people, you know, it could be functions supporting, you know, retail operations, for example, um, you know, that goes to zero. And then, you know, another part of your business, you know, goes to a hundred uh, and you need a way to sort of dynamically reallocate your talent um, to where, to where it's needed in the business. Um, you know, so, you know, companies are grappling with really hard decisions around, do I lay off workers? Do I furlough workers? Do I find a way to, reallocate right. um, workers um, the issue with the reallocation at scale is that they have no way of understanding you know what skills underlying skills employees have um, kind of beneath their job title um, so we, we capture all that data and we're able to sort of you know do this kind of reallocation dynamically and at scale um, so we're doing that and helping a lot of companies um, through these challenges now and you know helps helps people just gain new experience on the job discover new directions for their careers kind of all in real time um so that's that's yeah exciting. It's, exciting, it's exciting times for us now very cool yeah so anything you know i appreciate you telling you know, sharing your story with everybody anything you'd kind of looking back anything you'd change or any advice you want to leave the listeners with uh, before before we call it um a great question i i don't think there's anything i would change i think um maybe, maybe i'm um lucky to be able to say that i think obviously you know hindsight is, is 2020 but um i think um just just constantly staying open to opportunities is super important um even this most recent jump for me from vc to operating company you know felt like an enormous leap in the moment um and and looking back feels like like such an obvious choice and like, like an amazing choice. Mm -hmm. um, so I think just kind of always keeping open to opportunities, always keeping open-minded is super important. I think it's particularly pertinent for the financial industry um, where there's just, you know, so much sort of, you know, you get on the treadmill and you sort of, you don't get off and you know, the, the pay is, you know, literally designed to, to kind of keep you on the treadmill. Um, and you know, it's, it's interesting cause I think people who kind of have careers in finance and, and, and do find a way to kind of step away, um, you know, end up doing really interesting things. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes they, they end up coming back, you know, back to, to, to a financial profession, um, kind of with a, with a totally new perspective. And, um, I think it's just, yeah, worth, worth keeping, keeping, keeping really open-minded and, and trying not to follow the pack. Yeah, we get a lot of that in WSO. Banking, <laughs> private equity is not the only way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a great way if you can do it. It's a great, yeah. way. It's a great yeah. way to get some experience, but it's not the only way. And hopefully, uh, everyone listening to this, hopefully these, these guests kind of help open your eyes to different, different paths you can take, including jumping to Tokyo straight out of undergrad, barely, <laughs> and, and surviving. Works so, out. But Brian, thanks so much for, for taking the time to uh, share your story with everybody. Cool. Thanks, Patrick. And thanks to you, my listeners at Wall Street Oasis. If you have any suggestions whatsoever, please don't hesitate to send them my way, patrick at wallstreetoasis.com. Until next time.